Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First, just tell me, for you, when did you first hear of Tom Wilson? How did you first hear the name, and uh, when was it kind of like an aha moment, like, this is a really great story? When I was a teenager, I used to buy a lot of record albums, and I would see Tom Wilson's name on the back of a bunch of these albums, uh, on Bob Dylan, uh, Velvet Underground, and later when I got into jazz and uh, Frank Zappa and weird music, I, I kept seeing his name. You know, you see a lot of names on the back of records, uh, but Tom Wilson's name just stuck out. And then at a certain point, I was really looking for Texas music stories. And there are, of course, hundreds of them. And I saw something that said Tom Wilson was a Texan. And he was an African-American and he was from Waco. And I thought, wait, Tom Wilson? The Tom Wilson from the back of the Bob Dylan record and the back of the Velvet Underground record? That can't be. And so I went and I looked it up and sure enough, he was from Waco and he had done this, all this stuff in New York and had basically died in obscurity. Welcome to Invisible Icon. I'm Travis Scott, and this is the Tom Wilson Story. In this episode, we'll take a peek at the early life of Tom and his family. We start by looking about 90 minutes north of Austin, Texas, and about 90 minutes south of Dallas, or in layman's terms, comfortably right in the heart of Texas. Now we all know the song, Deep in the Heart of Texas, but not everyone knows that, geographically speaking, the heart of Texas is quite literally in Waco. And this is where we find the protagonist of our story, Tom Blanchard Wilson Jr. Shoot low, Sheriff. 
born March 25, 1931, to proud parents Fanny Odessa Wilson and Thomas Blanchard Wilson Sr. It's here that Tom grew up, and it's here in Waco that Tom first cultivated his love and adoration for music. So let's wind the clock back to the fading twilight of the Victorian era. The year is 1896, the year of the Plessy versus Ferguson Supreme Court case, the historic train crash in Crush, Texas, which is now West Texas, and the year where Tom's grandfather, B.T. Wilson, graduated from Lombard College in Galesburg, Illinois, the first African-American to do so. After college, he moved to Seguin to teach at various schools. In the first decade of the 20th century, B.T. moved his wife and five kids from Seguin to Waco to take a job at Central College as principal and professor. Prof, as he was affectionately known by his students, was very active in the Waco community. He was a member of the building committee for the historical New Hope Baptist Church in 1922 before the church fully opened its doors in 1923. And in addition to his other endeavors, he also ran a rug laundry service. He was the kind of man who truly embodied the philosophy of Booker T. Washington, which was hard work is the path to success, not just for oneself, but for one's community and one's children. BT would have been proud to see that his work paid off. Tom's parents were both college educated, which is a common thread throughout the Wilson family. His father, Tom Wilson Sr., was a successful insurance salesman for the Atlanta Life Insurance Company, one of the largest and most successful black-owned businesses in the United States. His mother, Fanny, was a librarian, a stenographer, and a housewife. And just like his grandfather, his parents were very active in New Hope Baptist Church and the choir as well. And now, Tom. As a young boy, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which left him bedridden for an entire year. Knowing the precocious Tom's love for music, his parents set up a Victrola in his room so he could escape through the sounds of Louis Armstrong. Duke Ellington. Fletcher Henderson. And all the other jazz greats. And this would prove to be the catalyst to the brewing kettle that would propel Tom to his largely unknown greatness. <coughs> Mama, is that you? Did you bring the Victrola? Now, Tom, I can't carry that thing. Your daddy and your uncle are bringing that heavy contraption from the den. I did thumb through your daddy's record collection, though. Let me feel your head and see if you still got a fever. Did you get Duke like I asked, Mama? And Lewis and Fletcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that piano solo you like in Tiger Rag? I found that player's solo album in there, too. Art taught some piano starts here. Joseph! You gotta hold your side up high now. <coughs> Scratch this wallpaper, and Fanny's gonna tear your hide and not mine. Hey, Junior, I, <clears throat> I mean, Maestro, where would you like your Uncle Joe and me to place this Victrola? <coughs> Daddy, over here, so I can reach it and change the records myself. <coughs> Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Uncle Joe. I'm going to listen to Duke, then Louis, then Art Tatum. <coughs> 
All right, you two, get on out. Tom has had enough excitement for today. He needs his rest. All right, all right. Let's go take a look at the composition for Sunday service, Joseph. And don't stay up all night tonight listening to those records. Tom's love of music continued on through his high school years, where he excelled at the trombone for A.J. Moore High School Band. He would sharpen his skills by dropping into jam sessions held at his grandfather's rug cleaning business. Tom was among some other high-profile alumni at A.J. Moore, notably Doris Miller, who was depicted by Cuba Gooding Jr. in the epic retelling of the attacks on Pearl Harbor. And a lot of folks may not have heard of a lesser-known alumnus that attended A.J. Moore, whose name was Vivian Malone. Both Vivian and Tom would end up attending Fisk University in Nashville at the same time. Vivian, who was just 16 years old as a freshman, would go on to receive a master's degree in math from Fisk. And after being refused admission to Baylor, she would attend UT, the University of Texas, where she earned her PhD in math, fifth African-American woman in the country to have earned such a PhD, and then later went on to be a professor at Baylor until 1994. Vivian was the first African-American faculty in Baylor University's history. Tom would routinely find himself among individuals that exuded this kind of kinetic energy and intelligence. Individuals that would go on to break barriers and change the times. It's said that like recognizes like, and Tom seemed to be tailor-made for rubbing shoulders with folks like this. While attending Fisk, he was invited to attend Harvard University, where he would get involved with the Harvard New Jazz Society and the Harvard radio station, WHRB. Breaking news tonight. Details continue to come in following that shooting. And this is My name is Lindsay Lipman, and I'm a local TV news journalist. Almost two decades in news from Florida to Maine and back home to Texas. In May of 2018, I was a reporter in Austin, Texas, sitting in the historic seats of the Paramount Theater for a new offering from my favorite magazine, Texas Monthly. You know, one of those cool Austin-y things to do. The writers and storytellers were bringing articles to life on stage when Michael Hall told the story of Tom Wilson. I grew up near Waco, but had never heard of this fascinating man. It felt like an injustice People must know who Tom Wilson is. Now in news, rarely is a story completely brand new and unique. Often you've heard a story before you cover it, but Tom's story was something I had never heard and felt like I should have. It definitely stays with you. So two months later, I accepted a new position as evening news anchor in, of all the places, Waco. So I reached out to Texas Monthly writer Michael Hall to hear more about Tom and my curiosity was insatiable. We know so little about Tom Wilson. Yes. Um, there are some fanatics out there who are trying to correct that. There's a guy who has a website called TomWilsonProducer.com and he has all of the discography. He has this huge list of all the things that Tom Wilson did. He has all these photographs. Because Tom Wilson was hanging out with people like Bob Dylan and Lou Reed and Frank Zappa and Hugh Masakela and Nico, there are all these amazing black and white photos from that era of this incredibly tall and handsome guy.
Hi, I'm Zach Burke, uh, executive producer. I came across the Tom Wilson story kind of per chance uh, about two years ago in just some research I was trying to figure out who we could actually hang our hats on as Wacoans of somebody who came from our town. And that's when I came across Tom Wilson, a name that I had never heard of before, but yet just one brief look at his Wikipedia page and you can see just how much he shaped music during the 60s for sure. And the fact that I had never heard of him before uh, felt like a travesty, especially in this place where in Waco, the people we remember most are those that seem to just have Waco as a footnote. And here was a guy who spent years here and has a family that is connected throughout. So it was something that the more I read into, the more I wanted to get him the credit I felt like he deserved and the notoriety, if not on a national level, at least here on a local level for a man who has done so much for the music industry. Through my journey of trying to find as much about Tom Wilson as I could, I came across the website ProducerTomWilson.com, which was ran by a radio man in New York named Erwin Chusett. Now, the amount of information he has on that site is absolutely ridiculous. Discographies and pictures and so much history that he has there that I felt like he was a guy that I definitely had to talk to in terms of this story. So I went ahead and I called and talked to Erwin Chusett. Hey, Erwin, how are you? Just finished lunch. Now we're fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, I just kind of wanted to talk through everything. Um, just kind of get your opinion on things. Kind of what brought you to want to invest or investigate more and follow Tom more. And then just kind of, you know, just kind of the basics. I started working on that Tom Wilson website probably in 2012. Mm-hmm. I built that website because I... I just found it unfathomable that Tom Wilson didn't have a website devoted to him. Obviously, he passed away long before there was an Internet, but you'd think that considering the the monumental nature of his contributions to music Mm -hmm. in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, you'd think that somebody at some point would have said, hey, build a website devoted (laughs) to this guy. And I was surprised that there wasn't any such website. His children hadn't built any kind of website. Um, But even more to the point, the the fact that there wasn't a book about Tom Wilson or a movie, even a dramatization, anything, just seemed like a great historical injustice because this was a story that deserved to be told. Now, in order to tell that story, there'd have to be a lot of research. I'm not the guy to do the deep research, (laughs) so I'm not going to write the book. I built a website. It has garnered a lot of attention for Tom Wilson. I'm glad of that. It has sparked Marshall Crenshaw to embark on producing a documentary I get once a year someone writes me and says they're going to write a book about Tom Wilson because of what they discovered on the website. And I just tell them, look, they don't need my blessing. They don't need my um, support because most they're not going to do it. People tell me all the time they're going to do things that they don't do. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm used to it. Uh, they don't even need to reach out to me and tell me that they're doing a book on Tom Wilson. Yeah. Not necessary. They should devote that time to doing a book about Tom Wilson. <laughs> I'm just giving them a bunch of, uh, you know, starter, uh, uh, starter kit for the Tom Wilson biography. I did this intensely from 2012 to maybe 2014. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I figured the Tom Wilson site was in good shape, mm-hmm. good enough shape. It's a nonprofit site. It's not as if uh, I'm not doing any business through it. Yeah. It, it, it serves its purpose in providing information, some basic information about Tom Wilson. Let's start from the beginning because you talked about kind of discovering Tom Wilson's story. For me, it was the same way of where when I first started reading about him, I couldn't believe everything that he was attached to and the impact he had and the fact that I never heard about him before. For you, what was it that that uh, initial discovery kind of, of Tom's story? Okay, I'm 69 years old. I, let's say, came of age in the 60s. And musically, music is a huge part of my life. Uh, when I discovered music, I'm guessing I was seven, eight years old when something I, I, that I heard in my parents' car radio just resonated with me, and it grew from there, you know, on into early rock and roll and top 40 radio, and then buying 45 RPM records, and then buying LPs, and then FM underground radio. Uh, so we're talking about mid-late 60s. And every so often, I'd come across a record I really liked, and it would, I'd see produced by Tom Wilson. Now, at the time, I didn't know what a producer was. I just assumed because of the prominence accorded the credit at that time, not before then. It really started with, seemed like the mid-60s, when George Martin was the producer of the Beatles, and and. and Phil Spector was the producer of of all of his productions, that the spotlight focused more on the producer as an artist and as a contributor to the overall project than in previous years. If if you look at records from the 50s, probably including ones produced by Tom Wilson, he's not even listed as producer. He's listed as a project coordinator or project manager or supervisor or something. Mm -hmm. But rarely was there a producer credit, and if there was, it was rarely very prominent on those records. That changed in the mid-60s. So by 66, 67, 68, I'm seeing the name Tom Wilson on records. Mothers of Invention, Blues Project. I hadn't discovered Sun Ra yet. Um... Simon and Garfunkel, Soft Machine, and uh, uh, Eric Burden and the Animals. But the name meant nothing to me because it's such a boring name, Tom Wilson. (laughs) It just couldn't be more bland that it almost doesn't um, strike you as anything exceptional, and you're not even sure if it's a different Tom Wilson on each of those records, because Tom Wilson's, I'm sure, a very common name. So why wouldn't I think that the guy who produced The Mothers of Invention and The Velvet Underground was a different Tom Wilson, 
who did Eric Burden and the Animals and, and the Blues Project. Mm-hmm. So it, it, not, it really didn't mean anything to me, just a name. The year is 1955. Ray Kroc has started the first McDonald's. Charlie Parker, the legendary saxophone player, has died. Rosa Parks is being arrested for not giving up her seat on a bus. And Johnny Cash is recording Folsom Prison Blues. Tom is finishing up his time at Harvard with a degree in economics. The next few moves that he makes set him on a direct course to becoming one of the most influential producers you've never heard of. He quickly borrows $900 to start the short-lived Transition record, an appropriately named record label that was defunct by 1957 after only about a dozen or so records were put out. One of the most notable of which was called Jazz by Sun Ra. artist and composer named Hermes Poole Blount, but is better known by Sun Ra. Many credit the eccentric Sun Ra as the earliest pioneer for a music movement known as Afrofuturism. Sun Ra, who proclaimed himself to be born on Saturn, blended ragtime and New Orleans jazz with swing, bebop, and fusion, among other styles. Another well-known pioneer of the Afrofuturism movement is, without a doubt, the Parliament, which was fronted by another eccentric force in music, George Clinton. When asked about Sun Ra in an interview in 2016 with Kyle Long from Nouveau Foundation, George tells them, me and Son and Jimi Hendrix were eating at the same lunch counter. What's been the most enjoyable part for you? Actually going and listening to the records he did, like the Sun Ra record. Um, I've listened to Sun Ra, but I'd never listened to Sun Ra's very first record, which Tom Wilson did when he was like 25 years old. I mean, he goes to Chicago and records, you know, one of the great jazz mystics of all time. This 25-year-old kid, born in Waco drives to Chicago from New York with a tape recorder and, and records them. Oh my God. I think one of the most important parts of this story is seeing that Tom, in all of his greatness, is not an island. Tom is surrounded by people that are uh, intelligent, ambitious, entrepreneurial, and impressively successful. Tom's upbringing and educational journey is such a testament to the influence that a community can have on a single individual and the way that that influence uh, is paid forward. Uh, I'm sure that as great as everyone you know thought the young Tom Wilson was, I'm sure that no one expected to see the influence that he left on the music industry, you know, when he was a, a child struggling with tuberculosis. Looking back on it, you know, we can pull the pieces together and see how each of the pieces of this story contributed to this grand masterpiece of an individual and his impact on the music industry 
uh, as a whole. So, you know, how um, satisfying is it for you or exciting is it for you when you, when you, you uncover these stories, these, tex- these, these truly unique Texas stories um, as a writer, as a person who, yeah. who loves music? I mean, it's, it's the best feeling. I mean, when you discover something that's in hiding in plain sight, like the Tom Wilson story. On the next episode of Invisible Icon, the Tom Wilson story, we'll follow Tom from the now defunct Transition Records to Columbia Records and to his first meeting with legendary Robert Zimmerman, AKA Bob Dylan. Hi Tom, this is Lindsay Lippman. Um, I'm a reporter with KXXV-TV in Waco. And there's a couple of things going on in the city and I wanted to reach out to you. Um, I sent an email, but I'm not sure if you got it. My phone number is 254-7. And I just wanted to reach out to you um, and chat and kind of get your take on some of the things happening in the city of Waco um, that could involve uh, your dad or who I think is your dad if I got the right Tom Wilson. Um, So I hope to hear back from you. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is produced by Rogue Media Network. Our executive producers are Lindsay Littman, Zach Burke, Jacob Green, and Katie Selman. Our director is Mike Hamilton. A special thank you to the voice actors for this episode. Jerry Williams Jr. as Tom Wilson. Leah Scott as Fanny Wilson. And Terry Blues as Tom Wilson Sr. Our theme music is by the Bowlings. Join us for the next installment of Invisible Icon, The Tom Wilson Story. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.